Good morning, church family. We're going to read from Psalm 42, and uh, that's on page 805 on the Pew Bibles. I encourage you, if you've got a Bible in front of you, why don't you open it up? Um, we're going to read Psalm 42 and 43 together, and perhaps as we're reading through, you might want to be thinking, why are we reading two Psalms in a row? It'd be helpful to have that open in front of you. Page 805. Psalm 42. For the director of music, a mascal of the sons of Korah. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My, thought, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While well, people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then, then I will go to the altar of my God. To God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you we can gather around your word this morning and we pray that you will speak to our minds, that we might understand your word, speak to our hearts, that we might find joy and delight in you and move our wills, that when tough times come, you might put a song on our lips and faith in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned my wife Sarah, and about two years ago she did a podcast with a woman called Jenny Salt. You may know Jenny does podcasts for Christians who have a story to tell, and Sarah, who spent 25 years in Pakistan, has a story to tell. She was born and raised there, her folks were American missionaries, uh, spent 16 of her first 18 years growing up in Pakistan with her four brothers. And we met and married there, then went back later to serve there with two small kids. And uh, Jenny heard this story. But one part of Sarah's story particularly captured Jenny's interest. I think it was 1994, the beginning of our second term there as a family. I was teaching in a Bible college, Sarah working with the student wives and raising our kids. And we received a letter from a very close friend from Sydney, one of our closest friends. We'd been in a Bible study together. She and her husband were part of our core support group when we left for Pakistan. Five couples who are key supporters, Judith was one of them, and our most faithful correspondent. She wrote and said, this is my last letter to you. We picked up for the previous two years kind of growing hostility towards the church. And she said to us in this letter, uh, I'm no longer a Christian. And to quote how she felt in leaving Christ, she quoted Wesley's great hymn. She said, my chains fell off, my heart is free. Her last words were in the letter, I'm sure you'll be troubled over the state of my immortal soul, but let me assure you, I am not. Goodbye, Judy. We cried. But that didn't just break Sarah's heart, that letter unsettled Sarah's faith. Judy was smart, became a believer at university. Uh, Sarah had grown up in a godly family, four siblings, all Christians, had never questioned her faith, just a genuine faith, a sincere faith, but never questioned it. And she thought, well, Judy is smarter than I am. If she finds the faith implausible, have I been duped? And for the first time, she went to a time of deep, profound doubt, like a dark cloud began to envelop her. She couldn't pray. She felt like she was talking to a wall. If you open the Bible, it just raised more questions. It's called through history, and you, you, you may know people who have been there. You may be there right now. It's called the dark night of the soul. And people ask me, well, what, what were you doing back then? I mean, what did you say? What, what do you say? She's a missionary. What do you say? She grew up in a godly family. She knew the Bible well, the gospel well. What could I, I could, there's nothing I could say. I could just stand by, encourage her, and just pray that God might bring her through. Which about after 18 months, he finally did. Thank you, Lord. Um, but that's not uncommon. 
Job went there, as you know. You may have friends who've been there. As I said, you, you may have been there. You might be there right now when what you say with your lips just doesn't, doesn't ring in your heart. God just seems so far away. And at times like that, again and again, God's people have turned to the Psalms as a place for comfort. Like these Psalms this morning, Psalm 42, 43, wonderful Psalms. Steve said, why are we... Why are we preaching on these psalms? Well, I hope you'll find out why, to your blessing, in the moments ahead. Uh, two psalms, but really actually one psalm. In, in some Bibles, in Hebrew Bibles, they are one psalm. And they're one because they, have the same, they all tell the same story. Of a man who feels abandoned by God. In a distant place, cut off from God, spiritually thirsty, and longing to come back into God's presence. He, feel, he, he just feels left and alone. And he feels deeply thirsty for God. And of course, each verse ends with the same chorus, doesn't it? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I'll yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. It's an important psalm. It's the first psalm of book two of the psalm. Now, you may not know this, but there are actually five books in the psalms. This is the second book. And this is the first one, and the first one normally sets the theme for the rest of that section. And it's the first of the Psalms that are called the Psalms of the Sons of Korah, who I think were probably like the Musos in the church, those who wrote the songs and led the singing in the, in, in the temple in worship. This is the first of their Psalms. So it's an important Psalm in the Psalter. If you read the Psalms consecutively, and you read Psalms 40, 41, the tone, when you turn to Psalm 42, is so strikingly different. So different. So Psalm, Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from a desolate pit, out of a muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making me my steps secure. He put a new song in my heart, a hymn of praise to God. Psalm 41 ends with the words, I know you're pleased with me, for my enemy has not triumphed over me. Because of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, amen. Hallelujah. God's with me. I'm in his presence. Turn the page. As the deer pants for water, my soul longs for you. What a striking change in tone. What an evocative image. Like a deer. They know that picture in Israel. Cut off from the herd. Alone. Cut off from the source of water. The lake, the river. And deeply thirsty. How my soul thirsts for you. Have you known thirst? I mean, thirst? We, we spent years in Pakistan. I went one time to a conference in Lahore on a really hot day. Um, and uh, of course, there's water in Lahore. You can, you can drink, if you want to die, you can drink the water in Lahore. But if you want to live, you don't touch it. And I was just so, but I think around the bazaar were the signs Coke adds life. This is before no sugar coke, may I add. Coke 
the real thing. The real thing. So I, I, I paid my 15 cents for a bottle of Coke, a, a glass bottle, icy cold from the, from the freezer, rubbed the Coke over my forehead, around my neck, and glug, 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 glug. It felt fantastic for around 30 seconds. I went back again. I'm a blown that day, 75 cents on bottles of Coke. Then my friend brought me a, a icy cold boiled water. It was the best drink I have ever had. Coke is a sham. <laughs> it's a phony. Don't touch it. I gave this illustration in a church some years ago and the guest came that morning who is the CEO of Coca-Cola Australia. So, be, so if you work for Coke, it's just, it's just an illustration. <laughs> but the, po the, the point is, uh, this man deeply thirsts and thirsts for God's presence, to be, in, to be, to, to be with him and to have his thirst satisfied. Um, and then we don't know the crisis of, of the man, he keeps pretty vague the situation, but um, you, you read verse 4, he's beyond the Jordan in the heights of Mizar, he's far, he's far from God, uh, so he's not in, in Jerusalem. And last to be back in the temple, in Jerusalem, in the holy city. Now, I, I don't get that, I'm not into like sacred sites, this longing to be in a place. I, I guess maybe if you're Roman Catholic, that might be how you feel about the Vatican, to be in St. Peter's near, near the Pope, that might be how you feel. Muslims, of course, have to go to Mecca, the holy, the holy site. Uh, Hindus want to bathe in the Ganges. But for Jews, it was the temple, which was, as you may know, got the symbolic dwelling of God. In Hebrew, the word for temple and palace is the same word. In the palace, there's the king. In the temple, there's the king of heaven. So he longs to be in the temple, in the presence of God, with all God's people praising him. But he can't. He's cut off from God, so his soul is downcast. That's the situation. He longs to be back in God's presence, but he can't be. That's the first stanza. In the second stanza, verses 6 to 11, I think he reaches his lowest point. His lowest point. Now, when you're conflicted, if you've ever been in the dumps or depressed, your emotions tend to ebb and flow, don't they? You talk to yourself. I might say, come on, racer, wake up to yourself. You're in Brisbane. How <laughs> good is that? You could be in Melbourne. Just cheer up. Get your act together. You talk to yourself. Get your act together. Smarten up. Believe the gospel. Then you say, oh, but life is so tough. I'm, nobody loves me. My, you know, people don't like my talks. I've been criticizing. You ebb and flow emotionally. This guy ebbs and flows emotionally. Verse 6. I am deeply depressed. Verse 9. Why must I go about in sorrow? Verse 8, the Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night. So he ebbs and flows emotionally. I mentioned yesterday in my talks about my, I worked with my brother-in-law in, -law in uh, Pakistan. He, he, um, he worked with Afghan refugees. And one time I went on a, just a six-week short-term mission trip to Afghanistan. It was risky, he knew that before he left. He got his mum's permission to go. And on the last day in the country, they were buying gifts to take back to family in a bazaar. A jeep came over the hill with four or five armed men. They grabbed Joel, another man, and they kidnapped Joel and kept him for six months as a hostage in central Afghanistan. Three months all by himself. 
My wife said to me later, I had to give him up as dead. I just couldn't bear to live with the uncertainty. I just, I just presumed he'd die. That's how I, that's how I process it. I think Joel's mum, a missionary, never recovered from that, actually. So profoundly hard. Uh, and hard for Joel, of course, not knowing whether he'd be set free or killed. And while there, he kept a diary, which sums up how he feels, which is how I think our poet feels in this psalm. Joel wrote this. Day followed monotonous day. Sometimes, some changes seem to be for the worse, some for the better. Every day and many times during the day, I've cried to God for deliverance. Thankfully, some days have passed so pleasantly that I hardly had a pain in my heart from being a hostage. How many times have I cried, Oh Lord, how can I last another day? That's this man. Sometimes, yes, I have hope. Other times, I'm in utter despair because God's so far away. That's how this stanza ends, I think, just on a bleak note of despair, cut off from God. Then we come to Psalm 43, and I think at this point, this I think is a turning point in this man's life. He now begins to believe that God will rescue him. As I said, I think there's been vague hints of his situation, but they kept very vague. Half the Psalter contained laments. And they're almost all vague. What's he going through? Because, and that's deliberate. You see, if, if the guy was like Joel, a hostage of Afghanistan, you say, well, that's, that's not me, I can't identify with that. But because they're all vague, you can identify with that in your situation. If your workplace is the pits and your, your boss makes life miserable for you, as a friend of mine's experiencing, or your family turn against you, your marriage is, is, a, is a sham, maybe. The kids break your heart. You've got chronic illness. Or you're just bored with life and the joy's gone. Or like a dear friend of mine, Sarah, who's had depression for 20 years when she got when she was 15. Suicidal depression. She's a, she's a godly woman on family watch every day. Just finished the last course of treatment in, 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 in Australia, which did not work. Every day is a night, they're going to India in two weeks' time for the last hope that maybe that might lift the depression and save her life. I pray for her, as many of you, every day. She believes in God, but she's, how can I say God is good to me right now? I get that. I get that. She can read this psalm and, and read in these words her situation, and you can too. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about in sorrow? But that thing in verse 3, the tone changes. Send, send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. There I'll go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I'll praise you with a lyre, O God my God. I'm going to go there to a city, a hill, a city, in the city a temple, in the temple of an altar, the place of cleansing and healing and forgiveness and restoration, and then joy and delight will fill my heart. 
and I'll express that in song. Joel wrote a song in Afghanistan. In that fort in central Afghanistan, he wrote, he wrote a song called The Upper Hand. God has the upper hand, no matter the plans of man. He rules and reigns supreme and does his will. Just trust his sovereignty, and you'll not discouraged be, but live each day with joy and worship him. So I think those last words in this stanza take on a different tone. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Lord and my God. He ends on a note of, I just, what, the day is coming when you'll vindicate me and again I'll be in your presence and again I'll rejoice. But for the moment, sorrow. That's the psalm. That's a great psalm. It's our psalm. But it's not ultimately our psalm. We can't read this psalm about an abandoned man and not think of another abandoned man. A man who knew God's forsakenness like no other. A man abandoned by God in a way we can't begin to even put into words. My, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That abandoned man. Matthew says in the Garden of Eden, he prayed, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is killing me, Father. This is killing me. He knew abandonment, forsakenness. He knew thirst. He cried out, I thirst. He thirsted that we could be satisfied. No man was abandoned by God like this man. And no man put his hope in God like this man. He believed his father would raise him from the dead and bring him to glory. Like all the Psalms, this Psalm belongs finally to Jesus. Now, we are not Old Testament believers. We, we, we have God's presence. We don't need to go to a temple or Jerusalem. We have, we have God's presence everywhere. We have the Spirit. But don't overstate the difference. Life is tough for them. It's tough for us. They were hurt, we are hurt. They weep, we weep. They felt abandoned, we feel abandoned. They sang songs of lament, we sing happy, happy, happy clappy choruses. We don't sing songs of lament. One of the great weaknesses of the contemporary church is there a few, if any, songs of lament? How can that be? I would have thought, if anything, would cause songs of lament, it would be a COVID pandemic for two years. Surely that will move us to lament. But not even that can make us confront reality. We've forgotten. It's gone now. A Presbyterian theologian, Carl Truman, says, a diet of unremittingly jolly songs and choruses create an, an unrealistic expectation that the Christian life is just an endless street party, which in the end can be pastorally damaging. Now, 
Lamenting doesn't make our sorrow disappear, but when we sing, we begin to process our pain, and like the guy here, we can reach to a point where we find in him our joy and our delight. Old saints do that in a way that we don't, apparently. You may know the story of a guy, you probably do, Horatio Spafford. 1870, his son died. Next year, 1871, the Chicago fire wiped out his business. In grief, his wife and four girls got on a boat to go to the UK. On the way there, the boat collided with another boat. His wife survived, the four girls were drowned. Five kids, all dead, business lost. He hopped on a boat to meet his wife in the UK, and when they came to the spot where the ship had collided, he wrote a song. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast caused me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. A British pastor called Henry Francis Light was dying of TB. One day he walked along the beach, realising there were just days left before he'd leave his ministry and his life. He went home and wrote a hymn to put his sorrow into words. Abide with me, fast falls the eventide. The darkness deepens, Lord with me abide. When other helpers fail and comforts flee, help of the helpless, abide with me. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? My favourite hymn I said yesterday is by a guy called Augustus Toplady. He too was dying of TB. On his deathbed, he wrote, Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from my wounded side which flow be for me a double cure, hide me from its guilt and power. But they're all old songs. Where are the new ones? Could it be they were prepared in a way that we're not to stare death and suffering in the face and turn the words, the, the feelings of the heart into the words of a song? Could it be that they knew that becoming a Christian wasn't a safety clause from suffering but actually it's a mark of being a Christian? Could it be they grasped the power of a song to change our emotions, to lead us to joy and delight in a way that we don't? If you're a songwriter, beloved, please give a song of lament. Half the Psalter, these guys understood the godly life, in a way the modern church, to a degree, has not.
It's joy in the midst of sorrow. We sing, we find joy in the light, and it turns our minds to that day when all sorrow and pain, death ceases. And we gather in the true Jerusalem, in the true temple, with myriads of angels around the throne, seeing him face to face, in his presence, lost forever in wonder, love, and praise. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Beloved, put your hope in God, for we will yet praise him, our Saviour and our God. Amen.